We are raw and real mothers sharing our struggles, triumphs, and everything in between. We are all about being authentic and sharing who we are. None of us have it all together. We know how hard motherhood is. We also know how joyful motherhood is. We're here to grow with you. We're here to empower and support each other. As we share our hearts, we become stronger. Our stories bring us together. The mother heart is within every woman. Hello, welcome to The Mother Heart. We're a group of women and friends and mothers, and we come together once a month to discuss a book that we find thought-provoking and inspirational. Um, so this month's book is called The Power of Now, and it's written by Eckhart Tolle. He is from Germany, and he is a spiritual leader. He, in his book, The Power of Now, he talks about how we can um, transcend or overcome the natural man or the ego by becoming present. Um, he says that the fastest way to overcome pain is to come into the present moment. And so that is the foundation of this book is how do we live our best lives and be our best selves. And it's the answer is so simple. It's kind of hard to grasp, but it's it's really about living in the now and not in the pain bodies from the past or what we project out into the future, but living right this minute right now. So the book discusses the ego, like I mentioned, which is um, where we identify who we are with our mind. And it also talks about the essence of who we truly are, our true beings. And, um, I guess we can say the essence of who we are is when we shed all of the worldly things that that build us that say this is who I am I am um I look like this I'm this tall I'm I have this many children I have this husband I have this job I have this career it's after we shed all of those things and we come to the core we come to the true being the essence of who we are and ultimately it's love we are love we are love because god created us in in his love and in her love and their love together with with that understanding, with that foundation for this podcast, we decided that we would um, focus on one chapter. Um, it is chapter eight, and it is called Enlightened Relationships. So with that said, we're going to discuss relationships and how they affect our lives and how we can um, be our best selves while we um, are living life. And um, let's talk about the things that stood out to you and what it means to you to um, have a fulfilling relationship. So one thing that stood out to me was that anytime that we're looking forward and thinking, I'll be happy when, or if, if when I have this great relationship, then I'll be fulfilled then we're setting ourselves up for failure. We're setting ourselves up for an addictive relationship where we're constantly leaning on somebody else for our fulfillment and our um, happiness. And that can never come from 
somebody else it has to come from but it's like connection with with um source i guess is that the way he say, says it not identifying with the self that you described of all the roles and whatever labels we have but identifying with yeah Eckhart Tolle he says every addiction starts with pain and ends with pain whatever the substance you are addicted to alcohol food legal or illegal illegal drugs or a person you are using something or somebody to cover up your pain that is why after the initial euphoria has passed there's so much unhappiness so much pain in relationships they do not cause pain and unhappiness they bring out the pain that is already in you. So that's that's really interesting. I sometimes when I look at my relationships that I've had with my husband or with friends, um, if there are little rifts in the road or big mountains that we've had to climb, I realize it's because of past wounds that I actually held on to. Wounds that um, I believed were true, and they ended up, when I became aware of them and gave them um, a knowing that they're there, I was able to accept them and then um, realize that those wounds were lies, What the things I was believing and projecting in my relationships. So take those lies and turn them into real truth. So when we have that pain body or the pain and we're trying to, and we're in a relationship and we don't address the pain, then we usually let the other person try to fill that void so we could become codependent on their, he talks about being codependent. We become codependent on that person to fill that void. And so that is also why addressing the pain bodies and not living in the pain allows you to be more whole in your relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. He, he mentions that pain bodies can be personal from your personal experiences or they can be collective, that they can come from generations passed down through time to you. Um, but the neat thing is once you are aware that they're there, as soon as you bring presence and a knowing to them that you accept and that you're aware of that pain, they lose complete control. They no longer are pushing you left and right and, you know, downwards, but, um, but that presence gives your essence the control to move forward in life rather than continuing to be stuck in one place. One thing that I thought, you know, and this kind of draws from the beginning of the book as well, but just like, you know, you, you have this unconsciousness, right? That's the state that most of us reside is in the unconscious, right? And the unconscious is um, equating our thoughts with who we are. And so when to get present, one thing we need to do is to kind of pull back from that and realize that those thoughts are not us, that we have all these thoughts, but there's, you know, they're all over the place, but those thoughts are not us, they're our mind. And so we have to like kind of pull back and observe 
those thoughts and those thought processes that keep happening in our mind or the feelings, I guess, that keep happening <clears throat> that would be considered the pain bodies, right? <clears throat> and so when we can pull back and like observe basically our mind and our feelings and when they come up and and why they come up, then we're able to kind of let go and realize that that that's separate from who we are and that then we can control those thoughts and feelings because we're pulling back, we're observing them and maybe even just accepting them like, oh, well, we're having this feeling because of this situation and that's okay, but you're observing it from kind of a farther back place. Does that make sense? And so I think in a relationship, um, that's kind of how you can gain that presence is to observe, you know, oh, they did this and said this and immediately this was my reaction. So why did I react that way? How, you know, how did that make me feel? What, what is it, you know, that's making me feel this way? And, and I don't even know if, if, if he's talking about um, exploring those things or if he's just saying observe them and accept them. And, and because you've pulled back from those, those thoughts and you're observing them kind of almost as a second person, um, it kind of takes the power away from them and you don't, and you don't have to like be stuck in them, if that makes sense. Um, so I thought that was really interesting because I found when my husband and I have arguments or whatever, if we can kind of see those patterns emerging that continue to happen in every argument that we have, or like what's underneath underlying it, that it's because of past things or fears that we have of the future or our own baggage or, you know, just our knee jerk reaction to be defensive or argue or whatever. Um, if we notice those and we can step back and notice those, then it's really a lot easier to get through the argument and realize, Hey, you know what? You're right. I'm just being selfish or I'm, you know, just not understanding what you're trying to say. And when we can get back past that, then we can get to the, the point of love where there doesn't have to be this you know opposition it can just be love and we just love each other so mm -hmm. anyway that was uh, that was something that was really yeah. interesting and he says the best way to um emanate that essence that love that is deep within is to simply acknowledge Simply acknowledge and accept that this is the way it is. Um, it's like you are no longer judging that person for what they're doing, but you're accepting um, you're accepting that this is how they are, this is what they are doing, and this doesn't affect who I am as a person. Um, and he, he says by that that acceptance alone creates a space for them. It creates a space for them to begin to grow and flourish. And, um, and then that's when our, our love can radiate out because we're no longer safeguarding and being defensive. Mm -hmm. So I've had to do a visualization because I've gone through a lot of these patterns in my relationship with my husband. So I've had to learn to fully accept the way things are just like what you're saying, ex ex love him for who he is right this second, not 
what he may be or, you know, not dwelling on the past, like letting go of all the past things, just being present with him who he is right now and holding that space for him. So I would do like a visual in my mind of like literally my hands are like stretched out towards him in a circle and I see a space between me and him and it's just like a light that's shining down on us that I'm just holding this space for him with love and just allowing him to not allowing him just being present with him Mm -hmm. and just watching him and loving him in that space it's really nice to let go of that baggage but I tend to want to jump back in the rabbit hole again but I liked visuals because they helped me to come back out and remind my mind what the truth is <laughs> mm-hmm. instead of letting my mind take me there down the rabbit hole. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. I think definitely the acceptance of the situation and the person and not trying to change it or judge it, just this is how it is. And, you know, go from there because whenever we're trying to change people or change things or change situations, we're going to feel stuck because a lot of times we can't change that. Um, And so if we just allow it, then we can then move forward and we don't have to be stuck in those thoughts or feelings. So and the things that we're trying to change or we want to be different and that it caused so much pain, no matter where the pain's coming from, they get to be so huge right in your face Mm -hmm. and you think they are really 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 big and almost like you can't overcome this it's too much I can't do this anymore you know I'm gonna you want to give up or run or flight or fight or whatever you want to do but when you can come to that present moment offer that space and accept what is and trust for me in a higher power God and source then it shrinks that problem down to the way it actually is and you see that person for who they are, you see their essence, and you're like, oh, this is going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Like, this is as big as it feels. Yeah, and these thoughts are so contradictory to today's world. Like, all the songs on the radio, all of the TV shows, all of everything that's um, blasting out from our screens tells our youth and tells everyone that This is the way that happiness works. This is how love is. You fulfill me. You make me happy. I will die if I don't have you. And um, that's bad in a way because that's teaching our youth and our children that this is how they should live. This is what they should seek. Um, So true. And Eckhart, he says, never before have relationships been as problematic and conflict-ridden as they are now. As you may have noticed, they are not here to make you happy or fulfilled. (laughs) If you continue to pursue the goal of salvation through a relationship, you will be disillusioned again and again. Mm -hmm. But if you accept that the relationship is here to make you conscious instead of happy, then the relationship will offer you salvation and you will be aligning yourself with the higher consciousness that wants to be born into this world. Oh my gosh, I need to write that down. Yeah. So that. <laughs> <I> <laughs> need, <but> it's big. <laughs> that is beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, because I think a lot of us, I think a lot of us, like, we're hoping that, oh, well, you know, someday when I have a house or someday when I, I have a relationship or someday when I have children or someday when, you know, I have this much money or someday when I have this dream job, 
then I'll be happy, right? And that's what I think he's talking about with the salvation. That's will save me, right? Those those things will save me and then I can be happy. That that will make me happy. And in, in this particular instance, it's, oh, well, when I find that romantic love, that, that will save me and then I'll be happy and I'll be saved, you know, in a sense. And then we get into that relationship and for a while it's great. And then after a while, we realize, well, wait a minute, I'm still feeling all these same feelings I was before. I'm not saved. You know, what's going on that this must not have been the person or, you know, they've changed or they didn't change or whatever. And I like that where it's like, you know, we can be happy now. We can be fulfilled now Mm -hmm. in our presence. We can be connected with God now and we don't have to wait for something or some someone to come into our life to to make us happy, to save us. Right. And And what? um, what if we taught that to our children? Yeah. What if we taught our children this from a young age, that they didn't need another to fulfill who they are, that they need God and they need his light and love within? Not only that, but those relationships, that is really powerful. But also the relationships are meant to bring you to your higher essence. They're there to reflect basically in my mind, like refine you to bring mm-hmm. you to that present person that you truly are. So if you can view it as not, what did he say? Not being, oh shoot, uh, I lost it. But yeah, they're meant to. Yeah, not to bring, not to make you happy or fulfill you, but to help you become present. Yeah, yep. That is going to be life-changing for me if I can let that just sink right in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To continually remind you, I need to be present. I need to like be that second fly on the fly on the wall and see myself and see my situation for what it really is and not think that this situation is me or this this thought is me or, you know, this feeling is me. No. None of those things are me. I am here and I and I can observe myself and therefore I can, I can be in charge of everything, right? That's, or not, like, I don't have to change it, but. You can also be grateful for your partner or your person you're in that relationship with, whatever relationship it is, because it's teaching you, it's Mm -hmm. making you see yourself more clearly, even if it hurts. Mm -hmm. But eventually you will see your essence and that is a beautiful thing yeah that's so cool yeah and I think that's powerful rather than like well my spouse is supposed to complete me he's supposed to fulfill me he's supposed to make me happy no he's supposed to refine me and help me see myself and and become refined myself and you know, my children too, rather than like, I'm supposed to help mold them into the, these beings. No, they're actually helping me see myself and, you know, change myself so that I can uh, be more like God, really. And relationships, okay, there are real problems. And we can't always just be like, oh, I accept myself and I'll let them do their thing. There are real problems that need to be addressed. And Eckhart, in his book, he says, you need to learn to express your feelings without placing blame. 
So I don't know how to do that very well yet, probably. So that's something I definitely need to work on. But I thought that was interesting that he did acknowledge, of course, relationships have problems and they have their issues. So you can still be present while you are working through those. And you do that by not placing blame, but expressing your feelings. Owning them, really. Owning, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah rather using I statements like I feel rather than you are doing this, you know, like I I feel like when you do this, I I feel this way or whatever. That's what one thing that my husband and I have talked about in our in our fights. That's what we need to do is I instead of you. <laughs> that's right. We learned the I statements from our therapists. And so it's really funny because like we're in the heat of this argument. We're feeling all angry and we're like, I feel angry when you do this thing. <laughs> so we're all like trying to you know separate the two in that moment we're practicing while we're still you know and I think that's great because really you know I think you know in the heat of the moment that's when you know your true character comes out right that's because some people can when you fight you fight below the belt and you hit you know because especially with your spouse that's the person that knows you the best most likely And knows the worst things about you, knows the things that are going to hurt you the most. And how they treat you in those moments when you're fighting, you know, kind of shows your character. And um, to be aware of how you fight and how you say things, even in those difficult moments, is uh, important. So I think it shows your ego. Yeah. Strong. Very much so. If you can back, oh, like, the last couple of times that I've gotten fights with my husband, I find myself being really quiet. Like, I don't, I don't know why I've done this the last two times. So I just like, mm, I'm not going to say anything. because it's just going to add to that flame. But then when I gave it a day later and I'm still thinking about it, obviously, cause it was hurtful or painful or something was said that, you know, made me ponder on something. Then if I can cur- give it some space and then go back with, my heart instead of my head mm-hmm. then I can say things in a way that he understands it's like oh yeah you're right that was hurtful I'm sorry or mm-hmm. you know or I'm sorry I said that and what you said did make sense you know anyway yeah. well one thing I thought was really interesting was um he talks about that you don't both have to be uh present in order to work well together right if you're if you're in a relationship with somebody who's not present and you've achieved that so to speak then um that's fine but it actually makes it harder like you can help them uh see themselves or whatnot but it actually makes it harder sometimes because uh it if you're present and they're uh still in that unconscious state it makes them want to be harder in that state because you're just like, well, that's fine. And that's how you feel. You know what I mean? Like you're just allowing it. Then they get angry. Like, no, you're supposed to fight with me. Come on, like fight with me. And uh, he says, sometimes it makes him more angry. Actually, that reminds me when I was a kid and I would get in fights with my older sister about, you know, I would steal her clothes and she'd be angry with me or whatever. And, but it would make her so mad when she'd be like, 
why did you steal my clothes? You're, blah, 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 you know, and I'm like, you're right. I'm sorry. That was wrong. But she could tell that I wasn't really sorry. I was just saying it. And so, but that made her more angry when I wouldn't fight with her when I was like, yeah, you're right. It was stupid. You know, <laughs> and she'd be like, no. And she'd act like, have to start personally attacking me because I didn't fight back, you know, and it made her more angry that I didn't fight back that, you know, she was expecting that confrontation. And when it didn't come, it was infuriating, I guess. And so I think I can see that in, you know, you kind of have to be careful. I, uh, when you're in a relationship and maybe, I don't know, but he was just saying that it's uh, sometimes it can be more difficult when one person is uh, yeah. present and the other one, and he's, you know, expecting to duke it out almost, you know. And Eckert totally, he explains that, remember that the ego needs problems, conflict, and enemies to strengthen the sense of separateness on which it identity depends. The pain body is demanding feedback and not getting it. So, yeah, our ego so, needs that feeding of, of, um, of contention, of, of problems. And if it's not getting it, it will seek it until it gets it. Mm -hmm. So nice when you recognize that pattern. You're like, no, 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 we are not going here. Yep. I know that you're just, you know, if you can stop it. Yeah, it's like sometimes just being quiet or agreeing with a person, you're like totally disengaging in the fight, <laughs> the drama that the that the ego feeds on. It's taken me a while to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes, well, yeah, it feels nice to have that drama, and for whatever reason, it makes us feel alive, and so we kind of enjoy it in some twisted sense you know that's yeah and uh tole says that is true insanity that is true madness yeah yeah um, not, not selective it is not exclusive the ego is very exclusive it wants to be separate and unique and different and better and best and um just like the light of the sun Love is not selective. It does not make one person more special. Um, yeah. So. So what does he say? Do you remember what he says about like how to help with that conflict when one person is more present than the other? Um, I just remember him saying uh, that when one is being conscious of the other one isn't that they separate like oil and water. Yeah. Remember that? Anyway, and I just thought that was interesting. I'm like, that's true. Like, and a lot of times I feel like <sighs> I care so much about like preserving this idea of the relationship that I'm willing to do or participate in codependent patterns to keep the the relationship, the unhealthy relationship, really alive. And so it's like, well, yeah we're not on the same plane of understanding. There is going to be a separateness. And, but that is also an opportunity for the person who may not be conscious to choose like, Oh, and then they're able to actually look and see themselves better, more clearly. You're not protecting them. You're not putting up blinders for them. Mm -hmm. Right. You're, well, putting, you're not you're arguing them. with them. Right. I, so, right. 
<laughs> so then so, they end up seeing themselves for uh -huh. who they are rather than like, you know, fighting with you because you're fighting with them kind of thing. Yeah. Right. So they're able to see themselves more clearly and or we are or whoever it is, we're able to see ourselves a little more clearly when that other person gets out of the way. So sometimes that, that separateness is needed to become more present. Yeah, I like. I don't know. That's what I've seen. Really good. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. So here's this part. He has this section where the reader or whatever says asks about. Um, I suppose that it takes two to make a relationship into a spiritual practice, as you suggest. For example, my partner is still acting out his old patterns of jealousy and control. I've pointed this out many times, but he's unable to see it. So I'm going to skip down a little bit. And his answer is, when your partner behaves unconsciously, relinquish all judgment. Judgment is either to confuse someone's unconscious behavior with who they are or to project your own unconsciousness onto another person and mistake that for who you are. To relinquish judgment does not mean that you do not recognize dysfunction and unconsciousness when you see it. It means being the knowing rather than being the reaction and the judge. You will then either be totally free or reaction, or you may react and still be the knowing in the space in which the reaction is watched and allowed to be. Instead of the fight, instead of fighting the darkness, you bring in the light. Instead of reacting to delusion, you see the delusion, yet at the same time look through it. Being the knowing creates a loving, a clear space of loving pre presence that allows all things and all people to be as they are. No greater catalyst for transformation exists. If you practice this, your partner cannot stay with you and remain conscious, conscious, unconscious. So. Wow. So how do you do that in like an actual fight? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> when you see them being jealous and controlling uh, or. Um, just go, hmm, they're being jealous and controlling. That's interesting. Is that you what, know, you know, what you do? <laughs> Actually, this so this happened. And my husband and I just had a little argument the other day. It wasn't a big deal, but you know, um, one of the things that that happens a lot is he'll notice that I fight in a certain way, right? I I fight and I bring in my baggage and I and I attack and I you know do things a, a certain way, and he'll and he notices that. And so instead of talking about what we're actually fighting about, he'll be like, "Well, but you're fighting wrong, right?" <laughs> and so, but you know you're fighting wrong you said it wrong so so we don't have to address this right and so and that makes me really angry because I'm like well let's stay on task on topic here but you know but I've learned a lot from him about about um you know not fighting below the belt and like using the I instead of the you uh sentences and things like that um but then I noticed in him doing some of the things that I usually do in, in an argument. Oh, I think because I usually turn it back on him. Well, but you always do this, but you always do this. And I noticed him doing the same thing. And at first I was going to point it out, you know, like, oh, look, see, see, you know. But then I didn't. I held, I held my tongue. But in that space, we were able to, um, you know, I guess I think he was able to see that and then I was able to point it out in a way that was not confrontational, right? Like, well, you always do this to me. So, you know, 
so it's okay if I do it to you kind of thing. But then he saw that he's like, oh yeah, you're right. I'm using those same tactics that you usually, that I get upset with you for using. Anyway, and so we were able to resolve things pretty quickly because we realized we were both being immature about it and stuff. But um, anyway, so I'm wondering if that's kind of the thing where, look, I noticed something, but rather than pointing it out at first, I gave him space so that he could recognize it himself, you know, and, and if they don't recognize it, eventually they will. So anyway, sorry, just trying to make sense of it. I like to do that out loud. So <laughs> yeah, Love you, it's, tricky thing. it's tricky. It's not easy to be in the middle of a fight and be like, Oh, wait, I'm going to be present now and observe the situation. <laughs> You're like, ah! I think that usually they're not lashing out because of the conflict on the surface. It's usually something underneath that's really is a personal matter for either you or them, and you're taking it out on each other. So it does need some space to see it for what it really is instead of what the anger is making it out to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And I, I definitely it's like he's probably hurting or maybe he's having a bad day or maybe he's so unconscious and doesn't know why he's angry right now. But I can be like, okay, you're angry or you're unconscious. I'm going to just step back. It's easier to do with your kids, right? Like when you've got little toddlers and they're just about everything you know, <laughs> screaming and crying or fighting, picking fights with all their siblings, then, you know, it was funny, this happened my, to my daughter the other day, just every two seconds, she was, mom, sorry, you know, just fighting with all the kids and blowing up about everything, and finally, my son was like, it's okay, mom, she's just tired, and you're, I was like, yes, you're right, she's tired, so it's okay, and and because I realized that, all of a sudden I could, like, not be so angry or irritated or upset about her throwing her tantrums because I could understand why. It was like, oh, she's a little girl, and she's just tired, and she doesn't know how to handle it, right? Well, I think as adults, the same thing happens to us. We're tired, we're hungry, we're, you know, not feeling good, or emotionally something happened and you know but we don't give ourselves or the other adults in our lives that same type of oh it's okay she's just tired or he's just tired or whatever you know they just need to go to bed and I think if we were to look at them like that it would be a lot easier to just it's okay (laughs) I see I know why you're upset and it's okay you know but my husband's taught me also that it doesn't give us the right to lash out on people when we feel those feelings. So afterwards, if he does or I do lash out on each other, I I like to go back and say, when you did this, it made me feel like this, like it hurt my feelings, and I don't I don't want to be treated that way, or whatever it is, you know. Yeah, and I definitely think it's nice to have it addressed, but not in the heat of the moment. That helps for sure. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, to sum up what you were talking about with um, our relationships with our partner, if 
one of us is more present than the other. Eckhart Tolle was saying, this will be the greatest challenge for your partner or for yourself, if depending on who's more present, because they will not be able to tolerate your presence for very long and stay unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> your consciousness will either awaken their consciousness or it will push them away further because they won't be able to tolerate that light, that love that's emanating out. Because they don't want to see themselves or become conscious. Yeah, exactly, Rachel. They don't want to see themselves or become conscious because that would be very painful for the ego. That would be very, it's an addiction almost for the ego to, to be controlling in that way. So, and then he says, if they are ready, they will walk through the door that you opened for them and join you in that state. And if they are not, you will separate like oil and water, like Shirley said. Oh, the light is too painful for someone who wants to remain in darkness. So I have to say something. When you start coming into the light, into the consciousness, um, sometimes fear has pushed me back. Like, oh, I can't yeah. change because I'm yes. afraid it's going to separate me and my husband. Like, I, I can't step into this light because I'm afraid the change will separate us. So what I'm saying is, like, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid of the separation. Don't be afraid of the oil and the water because yeah. it, it doesn't mean it's the end. It just means this is what needs to take place for right. a healthy relationship to emerge. Right. Right. Yes. Have you felt that before, Shirley? Oh, totally. Yeah. I, saw I had to be willing to let go. <laughs> yes. And it was so scary to do that. For me. Yes, very scary. Yeah. Very scary. Like, is he going to step up to the challenge? Is this. Yeah, or am I going to lose everything? Or am I? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Eventually, you have to step into the dark and be like, it's going to be okay. And the path lights mm -hmm. up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was just one part of chapter eight. There's another part that talks about the female pain oh, yeah. bodies and menstruation. <laughs> And I would love to discuss that now, but we don't have any more time on this particular podcast, but it is so intriguing to read that part and to discuss it with other women. So, <laughs> so we will end this podcast right now and perhaps we'll get another podcast on that part of section eight, um, because that alone can take an hour I'm, because it's just so good to realize where the collective female pain body is emerging from and how to identify it and how to move past it and through it. So let's push stop on this podcast. And I thank everyone for participating today. And I just love discussing all these things with you beautiful women. So, all right, we'll talk to you later. Thank you so much for joining our Mother Heart Circle. Please send us your thoughts, inspiration, experiences, and stories. Your voice is important. Your wisdom and your hearts are needed. We believe in you, we love you, and thank you for being you.